<clears throat> Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. With me as always, Mr. Cole Harris. What's up, baby? And um, we're just back at another day. I'm excited to be together for this one. Um, I think that certainly gives us a, just a different vibe, you could say, um, uh, whenever we get to be together and maybe a little more clear. So we're excited about this one. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're talking about uh, baptism today, and if y'all watched our first episode, Repent and Believe, we kind of gave y'all a little a little teaser towards the baptism, and I already know, you know, myself, I overlooked baptism, definitely, you know, especially before I was a Christian, you know, baptism's like, eh, what a, what's the big deal of it, right? But obviously, Jesus commands, and, and it is a, there's a big role in, like, what baptism is, so... We're going to talk about baptism today. We're really going to figure out and tell y'all what the importance of it is and just have a little gospel conversation and get it going, baby. So uh, do you have the uh, story pulled up or no? Yeah. So, well, I have the command pulled up. So. Yeah. What's the story? I'll pull up the story. <clears throat> Acts, 20, Acts 26 through 39. Acts, Acts 8, 26 through 39. Sorry. All right. Read us the command. So our command for for this week is... Matthew twenty eight nineteen, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so that is really the vision cast that we've read before. It's Acts um, 2, 36 through 47, and that's the foundation of this whole, you know, series, the commands of Christ. But then um, kind of a vision casting also is what Brayden just read Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey, teaching them to, or baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. There's two things there, which this is getting into a different yeah, episode. We're fo- yeah, we're focusing on the second part of the command. There's also another part in saying, go therefore. Yeah. You know, going and, and spreading, that's that's a, the other part of the command. But what we're really focusing on is just the baptism um, for this week. Yeah, there's there, there's authority in there. There's teaching them to obey, and there's baptism. So that's another vision casting. But the story we're reading is Acts eight twenty six through uh, thirty nine. Thirty nine, and just a summary of this, so we can, so y'all can, before I read it, y'all can get a little knowledge of it. But basically, there's a guy named Philip, and the Lord, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, "Rise and go up, and go to this this man, or go to this area, right." So he goes to this area, Philip just being a good and faithful servant as he is, right? Um, Philip gets up and goes, and he meets a man on the road um, riding in a chariot. And it's a it was a eunuch, right? So then he, you know, they meet, and then the eunuch is actually reading um, Old Testament prophecy. He's reading Isaiah, right? So then Philip asks him, he says, do you understand what you are reading? And he goes, how can I? So then Philip spreads the gospel to him, and then the eunuch understands, and then the eunuch goes, I mean, they're, they're driving by a puddle of water. Then the eunuch says, hey, look, there's a puddle of water. Why don't I just get baptized right now? So then the eunuch gets baptized by Philip, and then that's the end of the story. So that's the, that's the basics of what we're going to read. So I'll read 26 through, uh, yeah, I'll just read the whole thing. So now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, 
queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him about the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized right now? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. That's a crazy story. Um, there's a there's a lot there. I'm gonna go get my notebook. I have some notes. Absolutely. Um, I I really like the just kind of it shows you a play by play of um, what happens. Um, he gives him the good news, and this is so many times what we'll see. We'll see someone being prompted uh, in a willingness to like well what must i do you know what am i gonna do and he's like he sees he's like i want to let me be baptized right now there's water over here so that's an awesome i love that story so we're gonna look we're gonna analyze this passage in four ways and then we're gonna answer some questions but the first was what do we learn about god here so i actually kind of like this a lot better when we're in person bro because we actually can like analyze this scripture and do like it's kind of like a bible study Yes. Like what? Like what do I see about God here? What do I learn about God? And hopefully, y'all who are listening to this, if you're in the, you know, in the car, if you're, you know, working out, if you're at home, just watching on YouTube, whatever. Hopefully, you can participate this in this and truly ask this question. Okay, so the first question is, what do we learn about God in this story? So, Brayden, I mean, what do we learn about God, like from this passage? I just see that. I just see how it is important for like that baptism is important to God. Yeah. And um because he took he took Philip after he was baptized. He didn't it wasn't like, "Ah, you don't need that." Mm-hmm. He got he had already given him the good news, right? He you know, he already had the most, you know, he already had the good news and then he allowed that time to be baptized. It shows kind of the importance that God places on it, in my opinion, yeah, of, of being baptized. So I like verse 32, when he's reading the prophet Isaiah, he says, Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life was taken from the earth? So this is a prophecy about Jesus. Because this was, think about it. This eunuch is reading the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. So it was Old Testament. And that was a prophecy about Jesus. So right now we have New Testament. Think about the perspective for us. Right now we're reading a book who's quoting another book. 
and there's two main, you know what I'm saying? So this is like the in-depth, how in-depth the scripture is, but this guy is reading the prophet Isaiah, which is a prophecy about Jesus. So it says like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. And you think about like Jesus, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before a chair, he was silent. He didn't open yes. his mouth. Like he didn't nope. fight back. He didn't. Like he. he yes. And that, that reminds me of Philippians 2 when they say like he he humbled himself and was obedient to the death upon the cross. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. It shows. Um, and you also see whenever he was taken in by authorities that, you know, I remember being little and being like, wow, Jesus, what? why don't you show him up? Like, why, why don't you dice him up? You know what I mean? Like he could have, um, but he went and he was very, if you really look through uh, the scripture, he, he seemed very silent throughout the process and uh, did not say much. He, in fact, from my understanding, the most of what he said was on the cross whenever he was it is nearing finished. his death, you know, here it is finished. You know, take this cup from me, or is, oh no, no, that's from the the other part. But um, yeah, just all the way to the end. Yeah, you're so, thinking, you're thinking. I'm thinking. Guess I'm, we, but guess he said me. that, and then he said, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing." Yeah, so he said two things there. So, I mean, what do you think? You see anything else about God here? Anything to point it out? Okay, I think. Okay, so I want to go to so what, the, what do we learn about people? Because majority of it is about people. We're talking about baptism, if we're being realistic. There's a lot of, I think we can start in verse 26, which the first time I was reading this, I was doing a Bible study with Caleb, Ivan, and two other guys that we were hanging out with. And we did this, and I missed this. And someone said, it, I was like, dude, that's so, it's, it's verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem. So we're just going to look over this. An angel of the Lord told Philip, go. An angel talked to Philip and said, go. Like, are we not going to act like that's a big deal? Like, I just read over it like it was nothing, you know? And then that's that's what we learned about people is Philip was, was visited and spoken to by an angel, and then he was faithful and obeyed the command, which... Yes. He was obeying Jesus. He was, led, he was led by the Spirit the whole way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it shows just the really what you allow yourself into whenever you're led by the Spirit. You know, so many, you know, just imagine what, you know, who would have thought for this eunuch at this time? He he doesn't really understand these scriptures right now. And for God, it just got, it shows you how much God cares about one he cares about one enough that he would lead one of his children already to go that he and would find the next. Get an angel to go and down and visit him exactly. just to go meet one man on the road. Yes. That's crazy. That is crazy. Commands an angel to command him. I mean, that's that's powerful. What else we got? What else we got for, for people? I mean, I like... So... There, there's a process here in verse, um, so 34, verse 34, this, this, this kind of describes the process of, process of evangelism, if you think about it. It's, 
Verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, um, I'm sorry, back up a little bit. Uh, Verse 29, or verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And then 31, how can I understand it unless someone guides me? So this is Philip asking, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And this is a process of like evangelism and discipleship forming, right? Then in verse um, 34, and the eunuch said, "How about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news. So he spread the gospel. And then you see the prompting. The, the, the prompting to get baptized. So it's this process of evangelism. Hey, do you understand what you know? Or do you understand what you're reading? Getting, um, spreading the gospel and then getting baptized. And there's a process that Philip, there's two people in the story, Philip and the eunuch. Yes. I was once the eunuch. Yes. When I was like, I, someone had to evangelize me and now I'm Philip going evangelizing other people. You know, it is a yes. process of raising up laborers. And also you see the process of, how you, when you approach just the way that Philip approached the eunuch, that that last part of that, that the end there only has to do with the eunuch's will. Like Philip did what he could. He went and was led by the spirit and it allowed him into this opportunity. But that shows you kind of like a, whenever the process goes like awesomely and, and correctly, then there's this prompting and Philip, and then this eunuch's like, Oh, I got to get, I got to get this. Like, mm. this is, this is awesome. This is the best I've ever heard. There's water over there. Let's go do it. You know? Um, well, I like, so next, like we're talking about like a lot of like, what, what about God? What about people? But the topic of this podcast is baptism. Yes. So I like the order of operations that is showed. It's like gospel or it's, it's, it's the initial conversation. So Philip, enters into that conversation with a eunuch. Then he's like, do you know what you're reading? Then spreads the gospel. And then where is baptism in the order? It's after you believe, after you've heard the good news. So that begs the question is like, you know, there's different, you know, where, where we're from, a lot of, you know, Catholics get baptized when they're babies. How can a person be baptized when they have never heard the good news as a baby, as a three-week-old baby, right? You get baptized, and this is order, and you go to Acts 2, 30, I, don't, I think it's 38. It says, repent and be baptized. So what's the order of operation? You got to repent and be baptized, right? Yes. And this is, this, you being baptized is supposed to be a declaration of your faith. You can't declare your faith as an infant. It's just not possible. You know, it's debatable what age someone really understands. But regardless, being a, there's nowhere in scripture that it talks about um, baptizing of infant children. Original sin. Oh, man, that'll fire me up. But Wes, Pastor Wes from uh, Central College, he was baptized and accepted Christ at eight years old. Yes. And so... That, that you could see an authentic faith and an authentic conversion happening at, at that young of an age, right? I, I was saved at 21. You were saved at what, 17? Yeah, or, I, I, when I was, I was actually baptized at nine years old. Yeah. But I kind of, it's hard to say there. Um, 
but I've just been See, trying to trying to go with with how I how my understanding is of everything with God, and I haven't felt the need to go back and be baptized. Uh, again, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be cool for some people, but I felt like I had publicly declared my faith at that time, even not, even though I had kind of made the decisions against that after. Um, but I just haven't felt like that's what I was supposed to do is go back and do it again. Yeah. I mean, I was the same way. So I was baptized in the Catholic church as an infant. I was baptized in the Baptist church in Floresville, Texas in middle school, 12 or 13. But I'm the same way. I, I was, I believe I was saved in December. I don't, I don't, I don't really know if I was going, if I would have died before February of 2020, if I would have gone to heaven. But I've also have not felt the prompt by the Holy Spirit to get rebaptized for a third time. If God convicted me of doing so, I would do it in a heartbeat, right? But at the same time, baptism, and that's why that's why I want, we want to have this conversation, is because we've been baptized twice, and that shows I've been. I can speak for myself. I've been baptized twice, and I know that it did nothing for me. The action of baptism does nothing for you if you don't have authentic faith in your heart. So I think that's why in my heart, and this is no. Don't take this as a justification for not getting baptized, yes. right? That's not this, but also it's evaluating your, your whole heart and evaluating and being led by the Spirit. But we are baptized by fire. We we God imprints the law of God on our hearts. He gives us a new heart. So the baptism is just outward showing of it. And I that that's where my conviction has yeah. gone in. Basically, we are not we are not saved by this. This is not what saves us in any means but god is instructed us to do it he he tells he tells us to go and ha- and baptize people so he 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 really cares for this and he really wants you to to make a public um showing of your faith he really wants that but it is not what saves you the equivalent and you said this already, but I'm going to reiterate. The, the, what baptism is, is the equivalence of getting in front of a Sunday service in front of all 500 people saying, I'm following Jesus with your hands raised in the air, jumping up and down, right? That's what baptism is. It is a it is a symbol. It is a partaking of, okay, let's just go, let's read Romans uh, or Colossians 2.11. Colossians 2.11. That will kind of spur my thoughts and finish my sentence here. Um, you mind reading it for me since you have your phone? I got it. Colossians 2.11. Mm-hmm. Through 15. In him also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Is that what you mean? Yeah, th- keep going. Oh. Having been buried with him in baptism which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame, triumphing over them. It is an identification 
with the cross. Jesus himself was baptized, but why would he have to be baptized if he was perfect? He didn't have to be baptized. He was baptized to identify with human sinful mankind. He identified with us. So if he gets baptized, then we, like we're identifying with the work of the cross. That's why they say you are, uh, you died with him in death and you were raised again in newness of life because you are, you are, it is an identification with the work of the cross. Mm. That's, exactly. But it, and that's, and, and there's two. And I there's, think I feel like it marks, it marks that date. It marks that, that public showing marks that, you know, in it, and you are being, like it says, raised up in the resurrection of Christ. And I think there's something powerful about having that day marked that you did this and that this is um, a time where I, I showed everyone and I publicly stated that I am I'm resurrected with, with Christ. Whenever I came up from the water is whenever I took part in Christ's finished work. And there's two extremes here. So we got to make sure we don't go one way or the other. The one extreme is the, like the Catholic viewpoint, which if you are a Catholic and you're watching this, I encourage you to go analyze and read like the catechism and what they say in the church doctrine. So don't, don't take my word for it. Go do your own research. But the Catholic doctrine says that without, uh, without, and even Mormonism, that without baptism in that specific church, you are not washed specifically in Catholicism away of original sin from Adam. So there's a role of baptism in your salvation. So that is way too far. That is not biblical because we are only saved by faith, by grace through faith, right? That's why the thief on the cross with Jesus went to heaven. He was a thief. He didn't get baptized, but he still went to heaven. So that is the one extreme where baptism plays a role in your salvation. That's not biblical. The other extreme would be, um, I don't need to get baptized. The the Let me find a way to word this. Um, I just believe in my face here with it. Like my face here. You know, Jesus calls me to get baptized, but like that's just a that's that's just a, an option. It, it, it's not mandatory. It is definitely it can definitely become um, a very works based because, in a sense, the baptism is a work, quote unquote. It is a uh, something that we do, and if we fr- if uh, we if fruit? we think if I, we think yeah, I think a fruit would be kind of like a fruit. Yeah, yeah. And but it if it's something it's just like any other fruit that well I mean like it's it's like other things of uh, say ministry say going and praying for people if that is what you worship if that is what you think saves you better if that is what you think save you saves you because you did good things because you told the truth because you this because of you that because you got baptized. That is incorrect. That is not what saves you mm. whatsoever. Rather, this is a public declaration that is, I think it, it's special, not just for the people watching, but I think it's special for you too, because you have that, you get to have that day marked. You get to remember that day and uh, remember that declaration. And you can kind of, in those hard times, I think yeah, that's something cool you can fall back on that you can think about just how you know kind of what you humbling yourself um before god 
and saying, I, I, I need you. I need, I need the and finished work of the cross. What I, so I was having this conversation with Ivan and Caleb and two guys that were new believers and we're talking about this role of baptism, right? And there's this, let's be honest. Hey, I want to follow Jesus. If I'm a prayer prayer, you know, in with, just with one friend, or if I'm praying a prayer, just, you know, in the, at Cracker Barrel with a group of guys that I, that's authentic. But as soon as, okay, now I got to go get baptized in front of 500 people. There's, there's there, like fear comes up, man. You know, like, oh, I got to go get in front of 500 people. It really makes you analyze, man, do I really believe, you know, all of a sudden, you know how we talked about last week. And I was going to say, you know, you're talking about doing it in front of a lot of people there. It doesn't matter how many people you do in front of at all. Like, you know, as we can see from our, in this story, but that is a lot of times that is still your, even if it's five people or 5,000 people, that is still your public decoration. And that can be hard at, with any number of people, anyone watching you, it's for me, I kind of put it as like, whenever you are, it's, it's just the same as whenever you're kind of having your first conversations with other people about Christ, like, oh, what do you believe? And then you're saying, hey, I, I believe in God. You know, that's that's a, a very equivalent of kind of it really helps in your sanctification process, I would say. Kind mm-hmm. of it, it helps you grow in that. But um, there is definitely a fear factor of like when absolutely. you believe. And then like when I first like that's just how it is. It's like you're by yourself but we are called to step out in faith and step out and do those things. And it can be fearful. It can be scary. So it is a, it, it's just a process of sanctification. Like, like you said, like my first time I evangelized, I was scared. You know, the first time I was, when I was baptized the very first time I was scared, you know, like it is this, but it's constantly stepping out in faith because we do really believe we yes. have authentic faith. Now we are called to be faithful, called to be, to do what God calls us to do regardless of emotions that come up. And that's just one thing I thought of is like fear can arise I, I, and deter people. Absolutely. Like they'll, they'll say, I don't need it. It's just, it's not mandatory. It's not. But is that because you're scared or is it because like, what's the, you know, I, I think a lot of people get fearful of that. Yes. And, uh, it's really like it's in the series. We're talking about the commands of Christ. So God says to do it. So Jesus is really just teaching us and we're doing this. The whole series is commands of Christ, right? So Jesus is telling us commands. So today we read Matthew 28. Those were Jesus's words, right? So then we go to a story and see how it plays out. But the disciples are following the same commands as we're going to follow. So we're, we're, we're going to look at Matthew 3.15 or 3.13. Why are we getting baptized, right? You look at Matthew 3, 3, 13 through 15. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. That's a scripture worth thinking about, for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. So, you look at why should we be baptized, right? Jesus here is identifying with sinful humanity. You, I'll read my study Bible. Jesus' baptism begins his ministry and fulfills God's saving activity prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Although he needed no repentance or cleansing, right? Why did he have to, why did he have to be baptized if he was perfect? But Jesus is baptized to identify with sinful people he came to save through his substitutionary life and death right? You look at the genealogy of Jesus, right? You look at, if you look at Caesar's, you know, King Caesar at that time, right? Caesar would have a genealogy that was like, you know, king, the king before him, the king after him, his uncle who was a king in, you know, Rome, his uncle who was a king in, you know, uh, all these, whatever. It's like a resume. That's what the genealogy is. If there was an uncle who committed adultery, an uncle who, you know, committed murder, they, they take him off edit him out, you know, edit the resume, right? No, that's what it is. So for Jesus, if you look at Matthew 1, because I know we all skip over genealogies, right? Because they're so long, they're so boring. Well, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the, the bread and butter, right? But no, you look at the genealogy of Jesus, there's women. Not even women, there's like a prostitute. There's a prostitute on Jesus's um, genealogy. You look at King David. King David is on uh, Jesus's genealogy. He was a adulterer and a murderer. And you look at all there. Abraham, Abraham um, was a liar. Said his wife Sarah was his sister. Lied, committed adultery as well. All these sinners, like sin, not even just sinners, sinners that the whole world knew who were these Old Testament to their sinful nature. And Jesus makes it a point to put him on his genealogy. But Jesus is supposed to be this King of the world, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, this warrior that liberates the oppressed people of the oppressed Jews, the Israelites, right? But all of a sudden, he's a king, but he has the worst genealogy in historical times. Like, if you compared all the genealogies, Jesus is the, by far, like, the greatest king, right? Because he's God, but he has the worst genealogy because he didn't come to save the people with the best genealogy. He didn't come to save the people, you know, the kings, the rich. He came to see, save everybody. He is identifying with sinful humanity is what he's doing. And that's what he does with his baptism. He is identifying with sinful humanity. So we answer the question, why do we get baptized? Jesus was baptized. So to wrap it up, we're going to answer four questions. What is baptism? Baptism is a public declaration of your faith. It is equivalent to you standing in front of a crowd of two, a crowd of 500, a crowd of 5,000, and saying, I'm following Jesus. What? Why, why should we be baptized? Jesus was baptized. He commands it. There's no, that's end all be all. Jesus commands it. He was baptized, so we should be baptized. Who should be baptized? Acts 2.38 Repent and be baptized, every single one of you. No one is exempt. Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of God's glory. Everyone is to be baptized. How should we be baptized? If you look at John 3, I mean, Matthew 3.13, or I'm sorry, 3.16. And then Jesus, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. 
he was dunked in water. John baptized Jesus in the water. So how should we be baptized? In the water. So that wraps up our talk on baptism. We hope y'all learned something. We hope that this new understanding of baptism will help y'all take y'all's faith, you know, to another level. If you, you know, have professed faith in Christ and you're looking to get baptized, you're looking to take that next step, maybe that next step for you is baptism. So we hope this helped y'all. Next week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we forget and we want to put the Holy Spirit in the closet. You know, just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mess with him. I just want to do me, you know, so we're going to identify who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to talk about the role in a believer's life and what the Holy Spirit does. And we're really just going to diagnose the third person of the Trinity. So y'all stay tuned for that. God bless y'all.